0: Welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about Infinity Train. My name is Nobody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on the podcast car, it's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, aside from having to deal with not being able to breathe well for the last couple of days, because fucking wildfires blowing everywhere, uh, I guess, alright. <laughs> <sighs> Aren't you tired of always having some fucking climate catastrophe happening, like every month at this rate?
0: Oh yes, yes. I, I got extremely tired about it. And you know, there's uh hmm. there's limited things that can be done, but a good place to start might be those addresses I read off last week.
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely saw the whole like uh you know, if you've seen the clip of Foundry Seven remake of Barrett being like, you know, sometimes you just have to do stuff even if uh, you know, some innocent people get caught in the crossfire. If it's for the good of the planet and the good of people overall sometimes shit happens, you know? You know, I'm trying to basically paraphrase this whole, like, you know, because, like, they're being like, is it okay that we're blowing up these uh, Mako reactors that kind of get some suing in the crossfires And it's like, well, technically, the people working for Syndra, no matter what level, are not in innocent at all on this, so... <laughs> Sucks to mm-hmm, suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> Definitely also saw an edit of the original, like uh them in the elevator at the start of the very first make a reactor explosion with like Baritran get Cloud to give a shit and he's like, The planet's dying cloud and it's like it has a orange haze filter on it because so oh like <laughs> too too realistic. And meanwhile, like, hey, remember when people complain about remakes being very political and it's like, Did you all forget that Final Fantasy VII literally opens with an eco terrorism in the original game as well? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's just canon. That happens in the original and the remake. That's just what happens in that game. It's all about environmentalism. <laughs> I uh, mean, really, like most Final Fantasies are in some way.
0: The people killing our world have names and addresses and are very easy to learn online.
2: Mhm.
1: Yeah, they are. But yeah, no, it's like, uh, I mean, I've at least been doing okay with that because, like. Uh, I at least have a humidifier. I don't have an air purifier, unfortunately, and I wasn't about to try to, like, run out to a Target to see if people didn't buy up all the box fans and, like, box filter things to tape it together. Because mm-hmm. it's bad enough to see when I opened up my door yesterday to check for mail. Even though it's like my mailboxes are in a lobby area and not outside, outside. So, yeah. Yeah, it was nasty. I was coughing so much just leaving, so I was like, I'm not going to do that. But uh that little fucking... Room cooler thing that I talked about in the past that I uh, got originally stolen when it was first delivered, and they sent me another one, plus I got a full refund because I guess they were just like, let's just make really good on this person, uh, with that thing. I remembered, oh yeah, <laughs> that also has a filter in it because it's, you know, basically just filtering the air that's in the room and just making it cold because, you know, you pour some water in it and then it runs for however long depending on the, uh, level of intensity you put it on. So I've just been basically letting that run for the past day, just for the sake of oh, it's, oh, it's at least even though it's running out of water by now, and it's not like been particularly hot, so I haven't needed it for the cooling part. It's still at least pulling right. air into it to hopefully filter it. So it's not been that bad. I also put towels like around the bottom of my uh, outside door and the windows to try to also limit whatever gets through there. So hopefully, hopefully it's doing all right. I know that it's like. Lowered a little bit in terms of the, you're fucked, uh, level that is on, like, the Air Now website. <laughs> so, I think I'm in, like, the, not the, not the red on it. Uh, what the fuck was it? I posted a picture of it. Oh, yeah, I'm in, like, the orange, the unhealthy percent of the group section on that. To still, like, okay. at, yeah, which is still at, like, 133 QI, and so it's still not great, but, you know, uh, I've heard conflicting things about whether, like, having gotten COVID in the last X amount of time actually makes your lungs a little bit stronger to, if it regards to this stuff, or not. I don't know. I've heard some people say yes, I've heard some people say no, so who the fuck knows? Nobody knows shit about COVID at all anyway, so... Who can fucking say? So, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah, that's, uh, that's been my last couple of days just trying to hunker down. I at least had one, uh... Uh... Like interview via Teams yesterday on my phone. So Well that's nice, yeah. Yeah. Hoping hoping that one of these I interview with eventually says yes, because uh it's been as of this time, a little over three weeks. Like actually close to like three and a half weeks since I was told my contract ended, so I need I need money. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not too much going on on my end apart from the continuing job search. Uh My trivia team lost at trivia last night, which is annoying and embarrassing. We haven't done that in like 4 months.
1: Uh, bummer. but
0: like compared to the sky being on fire, that's kind yeah,
1: of Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it's kind of not comparable really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like one of us. This guy's on fire. It's been terrible. Breathing has been hard. The other person, um, my group lost that group trivia. But
0: it's the gay themes <laughs> trivia that we lost at.
1: Oh, okay. So, so even so, worse. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I think you have to. No, ha- I it's... think
1: you have to hand in your gay badge then. People's <laughs> like gay trivia, no, it's right? Weird, right?
0: <laughs> it's like everyone. It's Canadian fires, right? Except. <laughs> they're not here at all. It's like being in, I don't know, it's like being on the East Coast when California and Nevada are burning and, like, yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: Yeah, to my recollection, like, this is, like, one of the first times it's happened here, at least recently. Like, obviously, like, I mean, I'm sure it has happened, but it's, like, even, like, my friend who lives in uh, Virginia was even saying that they were experiencing some of the, like, low air quality... During this. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, I didn't notice any of that during the six years I lived in North Carolina. I just don't know if it was, like, just too far south that it wasn't really, like, staying thick or anything by the time it blew down there. But, oh, you can say. Yeah, it sucks. I really wish that uh, anybody in charge of the fucking planet would actually give a shit for once in terms of stopping this stuff from happening all the time.
2: That would be nice. Mm hmm.
1: Yep. But yeah. No, nah, it's like, I don't know. Haven't been doing a whole lot more. I I did check out that the demo that they just put up for uh, Pinocchio Bloodborne. <laughs> if you've seen that, I I totally forgot that game existed because they announced it like something like two years ago. And then that the uh, the summer Jeff Keeley Awards thingy that they were doing earlier today to like kick off '93, they were like, oh hey, by the way, this game now has a release date and there's a demo out. That That's really just Bloodborne, but Pinocchio-themed in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah, there's a, there there's a thing affecting all the puppet people that's causing them to go crazy and do murder and stuff, and it's like, you you get, like, your class... You don't, like, design a character, you know, like you do in, like, the other character creators for, like... Uh, the blood like soul, like all those souls games and everything. You basically, I think, right. I think you are just actually playing as Pinocchio because like people have mentioned like, oh, Dipedo made you, and it's like that seems to have been play Pinocchio. So it's just always a dude, unfortunately. But like, you still have like the like pick one of these weapons to protect yourself out there, and it's like they're straight up like the. Do you want to be the strength build, the dex build, or the balance build? And it's like, it's like a pretty much like a rapier or a longsword, and I think closer like a great sword in terms of the weapon right but, but like they all actually have like different components apparently later on you can like change out the handle of the weapon and it affects like the special moves it has so that's interesting but like you also get like a robotic left arm in place of like the equivalent of like you know like the gun in bloodborne basically where it's like that's like let you do stuff so like at first it's just a basic punch one that uses like a little like meter <laughs> of its own but after you beat the first boss, you get, like, here's here you can go, you have, like, a fucking grappling hook on this thing, you can grab enemies to pull them towards you, or pull yourself towards them, and it's, like, huh, that's at least more interesting. I can see that basically being, like, an equivalent of, like, uh more like Sekiro, I guess, in terms of, like, the various, like, uh, like, the prosthetic arm, uh, things that you could equip, basically. Like, obviously, like, not, like, traversing the environment like you did with the grapple arm thing in that, but you know, yeah. s- still enough that it's like, yeah, they're clearly going for the Bloodborne aesthetic. It straight up has a stamina meter. You drop your fucking souls when you die. I think they called it ergo. <laughs> I think it's what it was called, like, ergo or something was the thing. Wait, really? Yeah.
0: The hallucinogenic mushroom?
1: I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you use that to level, you use that to buy stuff, you drop it when you die. I don't think it disappears fully if you die before you pick it up again. Because, like, I died at the first a uh, proper boss, like, has, like, a straight-up, like, fog gate and everything <laughs> to go back in. And, like, it drops it outside the boss room compared to, like, Dark Souls games where it would always drop it inside. But I died back along the way, but they were still there when I got there the next time, so I think they don't disappear fully, which is a little bit more lenient, especially, I mean, just the fact that they put them outside the boss door, so it's, like, if you want to use them to level up before you go fight the boss again, or keep having to go smack your head against the boss until... You die along the way and lose all those souls instead. I don't know. It's, it's definitely going for that, though. It's interesting, though, because it's like... I mean, I was like about to be like, oh, it's Pinocchio, but fucked up. And then it's like, actually, Pinocchio itself is really fucked up when you think about it. <laughs> well, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, th- I feel like, I mean, I didn't know a whole lot of how severely Pinocchio is fucked up until I actually really started looking at that stuff, and that's because of, uh, you know, Pinocchio being one of the player characters in Dimension 20 Never After.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, I, I mean, I still had somehow forgotten that. It's like, yeah, there is also that part in the, the original, like, the Disney movie where the kids do turn into donkeys. And It's like, that's sort of oh, funny. Yes. Yeah, no, I thought that Lou was making up Toy Island entirely. I totally forgot Toy Island was a thing <laughs> <laughs> in Pinocchio in, like, all forms. yeah i
0: mean is it weirder that in the disney version they called it pleasure island because that seems like a yeah especially especially
1: because like pleasure island is or uh, paradise pier is what i'm thinking of it's like they basically have like definitely not pleasure island but kind of totally pleasure island in california adventure now (laughs) so yeah i don't it's it's weird (laughs)
0: Paradise Pier is in the Alveston, so I don't know what you're referring to there.
1: I thought there was a section of uh, Disney California Adventure that's called Paradise Pier.
0: Mm, if they did, there might be a lawsuit on their hands. Uh, there was a part of uh, a, a, a Disney, what do you call it, the the, the city around Disney, downtown Disney, mm-hmm. that was uh, based on Pleasure Island, but it's okay. not there anymore oh, I, on I, account of. I think they they
1: re- can't call it. I think they rebranded a while ago, because I'm seeing now Pixar Pier. Because I do know that that was, like, the last time I was there in, in, like, maybe 2013 or whatever, when I was at uh, California Adventure, I definitely remember it was called Paradise Pier because I also know Toy Story Media is located there. So I think at some point, (laughs) I guess in the years since, they just rebranded it fully to Pixar and just put more Pixar stuff there. But there is a Paradise Pier (laughs) Hotel, so maybe they get that name just in that regard. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm seeing opens February eighth, two thousand one, as Paradise Pier. June twenty third, twenty eighteen, as Paradise Gardens Park. But it also, I also see a sign in right here that says Pixar Pier, so I don't, I don't fucking know.
0: <laughs> I believe Pixar is the current version, yes, because they've added
1: more rides since then. Okay, yeah. Uh, oh no, I th- Pixar Pier, I think is like located nearby. Yeah, it says, for the Pixar theme, the land nearby the Paradise Gardens Park. I don't know, Disney's, Well, that's Disney's, not the same at all. Disney's fucking strange. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You'd think I would know more of this stuff considering all the defunct land I've watched in Meanwhile. It's like, I don't fucking know. I know Bob Iger fucked up a lot of stuff at the parks, especially California Adventure when it first released, and that's really it at this point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: no, there really wasn't a whole lot else during that... Uh, Jeff Keighley trotting famous people on stage who have no fucking idea what's going on and just want to leave and get a paycheck kind of deal. Like, they at least announced a release really date for Remnant 2, which was interesting because Rennen from the Ashes was better than it had any right to be. <laughs> but, like, yeah. I'll I will mean,
0: take your word for it. I didn't even know a thing happened.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, it was It was basically like the start of Naughty 3 was today with that. Like, ah. I, I think. I don't think there's much going on to uh well as of this recording on Friday or Saturday I know Xbox goes on Sunday and then I think Sony has something planned I don't know they might they might not I don't know they really had basically Final Fantasy 13 or not 13 uh Final Fantasy 7 Remake 2 at this thing that happened today so maybe Sony doesn't have a slot <laughs> uh but yeah I know like people are like oh when's Nintendo gonna go because they haven't announced a direct because they usually always have a direct around June anyway but I imagine at some point yeah. they'll do that. And then, of course, there's always, like, the ones where it's like, do you want to watch Ubisoft, uh, you know, pretend that a bunch of harassment hasn't happened again? Not really, because I think they go, like, Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Well, naturally. Yeah.
0: I wonder if they'll talk about the bad game that I'm not allowed to talk about.
1: <laughs> I'm so curious what that is, because it's like, mm-hmm. uh, unless, I, like, part of me wants to think that you're talking about Nazi of Thieves, which I don't remember the fucking name of, their pirate game, that is just totally Sea of Thieves, but worse. <laughs>
0: favorite game was... You know, I used to know that. Skull and Bones. Yeah, Skull and Bones yeah. is what it was called.
1: Yeah, that game that they basically have just kept delaying because they know it sucks, and they're basically contractually obligated with Singapore to release it because of some bullshit deal they did with, to get funding for it from them. And they are like, fuck, <laughs> this game is just... The, this game's going to tank. And Listen, then,
0: if what's-his-name the baseball guy can screw over uh, Rhode Island... Uh, so oh, feel yeah. Like...
1: Uh, Kurt Zillings,
0: <laughs> that's the one. Yes, yeah.
1: I actually did play uh, that fucking game, Kingdom of <laughs> Reckoning when it released. I love that
0: game. I've bought it on like four different platforms.
1: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I I didn't get very far in it. Like, I think it was just because it was like kind of easy to break that game's combat entirely. But I feel like that was also the point of it, <laughs> especially because like uh, it, like a mo- large portion of that game is about like fucking over fate. I guess because they're like this has to happen. And you're like fuck you. <laughs>
0: i mean it's a little little weird right Mm because it's like it was designed at one point to be an mmo and then they just didn't have the resources to fill through so you're like alone wandering around in an mmo world so that kind of feels strange well i think
1: they also wanted to later on do the mmo like basically they were gonna like use that world as like a prequel with the mmo because that i think was like what they were calling copernicus for the longest time i think that was the mmo and work, but then they were like, oh, this didn't actually make as much as we thought, and also the state of Rhode Island is suing us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That that weird story. <laughs> There's a whole what happened on that game in particular, along with that studio. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, it's like, well, that's just one of those things that, that we inevitably get an episode about it. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's that weird time where it's like, yeah, at the moment, there's really not a whole lot coming out that I'm interested in. Like, I mean, whether or not I actually get Remnant 2 depends on my friends, I feel. Because it's like, enough really, that's, that's a three-player game. It's like a co-op game that you can play by yourself, but also it supports up to three players. And my friend group and I that really play games together is four. <laughs> so we were always like, well, either one person gets screwed or we're, bo- we're going to have to split up and be in groups of two <laughs> to play this. Huh. And, like, Remnant was, like, a weird one where it's like, that game has such a strong opening because it's basically like post-apocalypse poke kind of people against tree zombies. It's it's really weird at the start, but then it basically just becomes like oh, you're gonna jump between like different like worlds and stuff. So it's like here's a desert planet that's boring. Here's like a jungle environment that's boring, and it's like what kind of happened here at this <laughs> along the way? It starts so interesting and different, and then it just kind of goes a little bit dumb. And then basically, like, the whole thing is that you beat the game in, like, 10, 12 hours or so, and now just do it again on a harder difficulty, and then do it again on a even harder difficulty, and it's like, hmm. I don't. This game doesn't necessarily need to have, like, the whole, like, long, like, you know, endgame stuff, but I don't know what you're doing here, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, the sequel goes better with that kind of stuff, and maybe they just sort of, like, let's just have, like, an actual long story, and not just have, like, ten hours of content that you do three times. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, it certainly sounds eventful, if nothing else, but I'm afraid I don't really have anything to contribute there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like you said, you weren't even aware it happened today. (laughs) Like, that was, like, kind of, like, uh, not related to that, but, like, Atlas was apparently supposed to be announcing the Persona 3 remake and Persona 5 tactics. In two days at Microsoft's thing, but they accidentally released the videos too early, <laughs> so that some people were like, huh, oh, so okay it,
0: <laughs> so it went about as well as e three ever does I uh it
1: yeah, pretty much <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least like i mean look in some uh, not in some like uh fucking people that made that well, supposed to be a game uh." Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog might be a bunch of shitty people running a shitty company that makes bad games, but at least they were still willing to like make fun of themselves when their Uncharted 4 demo busted on stage, because like in the game itself, like if you just stand in that spot for like 30 seconds where the, tr- the demo broke, you get an achievement called Stage Fright. <laughs> like they were at least willing to acknowledge and make fun of that rather than the usual like stupid bullshit at EDA at E3 not EA, well, usually also EA, where, like, you hear stuff (laughs) of, like, uh, fucking the guy that uh, basically is running, uh, oh, the company that made Borderlands, uh, yeah, uh, Gearbox, Gearbox, Randy Pittsburgh, the guy that's basically just fucking that place over so much, and uh, there's no way to actually get him out, basically. Like, if him, like, uh, well-known, like, going backstage and yelling at people for making, like, the Borderlands 3 trailer not run at exactly the right time when he was up on stage or whatever. And it's like, that guy sucks, and he should not be yelling at his people because, you know, computer equipment fails, as it always does. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, I haven't thought about Gearbox in the longest time. And also, to be fair, Gearbox really hasn't done anything in the longest time besides make a shitty Duke Nukem game that was bad and then also make a bad Aliens game Aka funding funneling all that money into Borderlands two instead of actually making that game, and then lying about it on stage. Handle yeah, that. Video game <laughs> industry is dumb. Is is just this.
0: <laughs> Isn't it always? Yeah.
2: Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh,
0: yeah. No, I mean I fired up Baldur's Gate again for, like, four minutes, but I couldn't remember what I was doing, and the notebook in-game is very bad, so I turned it off again. Yeah,
1: because that game's finally exiting early access, like, the end of August, right?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I was hoping to finish playing through one.
1: Uh, Oh, you talk about one or two?
0: (laughs) One, yeah. Oh, okay. I talked about playing it on the show a while back, and it just kind of fell off, and I was hoping I could get back into it and finish it, but it just wasn't happening this week. Yeah, I've, I've got too much to think about.
1: <laughs> I mean, from what you've spoken about it, it's also just like it's designed so esoterically because it was just that old. It's like I don't think it's necessarily the kind of game that you need to force yourself to go through to know what's going on.
0: But I do. I have to know the plot. <laughs> just because I've explored literally every part of the map except Baldur's Gate itself doesn't mean I know what's going on. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, it did take me like thirty hours before I finally actually got the dragon powers in Skyrim when I first played that game. And <laughs> I don't know why I say when I first played that game. I only ever played that game once because I don't know how people keep playing Skyrim over and over again because the combat in Skyrim sucks. <laughs> it's like so. Speaking of games that's so easy to break, that game is so easy to fucking break with just like maxing out stealth or whatever or illusion to have just like max invincibility and just do sneak attacks all the time. And it's like the melee well, combat if is. If you
0: get the Zelda amiibos and play as Link, <laughs> it's just impossible to beat
1: the game, is the thing. So Oh, how so? <laughs> uh
0: because the Zelda garbage that they give you for, for using the amiibos is just so trash. <laughs> it doesn't matter, like you could be the best blacksmith and reinforce it as good as you possibly can, and it's still worse than starting equipment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <funny. laughs> Sure does. Basically, people who did challenge runs of that game, trying to use just that stuff, (laughs) inevitably. Uh, I mean, how many? how many people have how many people have been in Dark Souls overall, completely naked, just punching things to death at level one? Multiple people have. (laughs) Because it's like if you start with the class that starts at level one and has like tens and all stats, which is, in to my knowledge, all three. Dark Souls games and Elder Ring. there's not in Bloodborne unfortunately with that but like if you do that you start at level 1 and you're never required to level so if you just go and <laughs> punch stuff and are just good enough at it with rolling out way and stuff and just punch stuff enough you'll eventually get through it all <laughs> I can't oh. imagine wanting to do that though. but people have
0: yeah I guess that's fair
1: yeah, yeah it's like obviously like you know I can't say, like, self-imposed challenges are dumb, because, I mean, I am continuing somehow to survive in a Nuzlocke. That is up on our Patreon. (laughs) Uh, Against all odds. But, uh, I mean, I I just don't understand it with, in terms of, like, stuff like Dark Souls. Because, like, part of it is that you want to, like, dress your character up and use a big fucking stupid sword that takes, like, 50 strengths to use or whatever.
0: Well, maybe you don't.
1: I guess not. Sometimes. I mean... Hey, again, I'm, I'm still impressed that people were able to speed run, uh, Breath of the Wild in like 30 minutes and Tears of the Kingdom in like, I think an hour 40, I, th- I think is what people figured out. I think with that it's because like, I don't think people have found a way to get off the like starting area of Tears of the Kingdom just yet compared to Breath of the Wild, where you could use stasis with rocks and just get off the Great Plateau easily. I think, right, makes sense. Yeah, mostly because like, there's like a cloud layer that you need to actually like finish the tutorial before it's fully gone that... To let you actually jump off the the Sky Island Plateau, because like if if they didn't have that, people would jump down and then be like, shit, I can't get back up there at the moment to get the rest of the basic <laughs> powers.
0: Uh, all right. um, well, speaking that game, of getting the basic powers, should we should probably <laughs> talk about people who are learning how to get through this train, huh? <laughs>
1: Uh, I would. Would you really say it's learning when they're begrudgingly doing stuff to get through the train? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I guess that's fair. <sighs> like,
1: I mean, we'll later see one of them literally to try to cl- train. <laughs> We'll see one of them literally try to climb through a vent to get out of a train car when it's like these are isolated universes. You know, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> You've been on the train as long as you claim you would know this by now, you dipshit. i <laughs> uh, uh, a dumbass. I don't know. Is the moral of these episodes? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, well, listen, they've been complacent for a long time because <laughs> all they had to do was bust in and kill everyone and take their stuff.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, this my wow. are hmm. i all right full discretion listeners i ate three pieces of pizza today and i've been feeling weird ever since so my head's feeling weird so i'm saying things wrong today
1: yeah we, job, me. we both ended up having like ironically enough pretty large dinners because like i had like a sandwich soup and like a bunch of chips
0: <laughs> three pieces of pizza is not a large dinner for me
1: Fair, it is for me though. But also, I'm I'm very skinny and small.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair. as I'm like seventy pounds
1: overweight. <laughs> um, Pretty sure
0: you're also. But it's okay though, because most of it is titties.
1: Pretty sure you're also taller than me too, right? Uh, no idea. Well, I'm five five. <laughs> I know that.
0: Uh, then the answer is maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I, I tweeted about this in the past, but I don't think I've brought it up on the show. I don't actually know how tall I am, because every person who measures me gets a different number,
1: so... There, yeah, for the longest time I thought it was 5'4", and then when I was at, um... Uh, what when was it? Um... I was at some appointment where they had to take my measurement earlier this year. What the fuck was it? I forget fully... <laughs> And they basically uh, measured me entirely, and they were like, oh, you're 5'5", and I was like, huh? Oh, okay, I guess. I was always shorter. <laughs> I am
0: somewhere between 5'4 and 5'7, but you could ask any two people of my life, and they would give you different numbers, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I, if I... I
0: stood next to you, that would be a clue.
1: <laughs> y- yeah, you know. <laughs> In this scenario where uh, we would actually be in the same location at the same time. (laughs) Uh,
0: But yes, um, so my episode this week is Book 3, Episode 3, The Debutante Ball Car. And we open in the Ocean Car, which is basically like... It's like the Little Mermaid area at Disney World. It's dry land, but it's made up to look like it's the ocean. And... We open on Simon almost getting his hand bitten off by a seashell with teeth, which, like, we give Simon a lot of crap, but this one I kind of get. I would have made that mistake. It's just a seashell, you know? The only thing he did was touch the seashell, and it tried to bite him. So anyone could have fallen for this one. You get one point, Simon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, he and Grace Banter for just a second before he immediately loses his point when he asks when they're going to murder Tuba. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's he's not beating around the bush with this one. Nah, Um,
1: this boy is just so ready to try to push this uh, giant gorilla off the train and into the wheels.
0: Honestly, I think it's because in the last episode she, like, jumped on him and roared and, like, she made him look bad, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Because... Well, as we'll see through the rest of this episode, he's got some stuff going on, and I feel like anyone making him look bad in front of Grace is going to be.
1: hmm Yeah. I mean, just like how, like, I mean, there's definitely points in this where he's, like, being a little bit blushy around Grace just in general. It's like, he definitely is the kind of thin-skinned kid who is like, you made me look bad, therefore you are my enemy.
0: Exactly, yes. Um... So yeah, Tuba's just nearby playing with Hazel, and as they watch, Grace answers that they have to be careful, uh, firstly on account of Tuba is huge and could very easily unalive <laughs> them, and second, because Hazel is just really attached, so if they turn it into a big fight, then it might make Hazel hate them, and after all, Simon remembers what he was like with his null friend back when he got on the train, and you know, he's he looks suitably chastised, but Hazel reports that she has made friends with a lump of seaweed named Louie, uh, to all appearances, Louis is an inanimate, an inanimate lump of seaweed, but this is the train, so honestly, who knows? Um,
1: well, Louis never speaks, so I don't obviously have any actor, like voice <laughs> actors, listed for Louie.
0: So far.
1: <laughs> if this whole um, season ends with this seaweed clump showing up at the end... <laughs> to help grace get off the train i'm gonna be a little cross i'll be honest
0: blue uh, is a perfectly ordinary clump of seaweed they all do that
1: uh, um, no we'll get into that kind of stuff conversation wise next episode with randalls again <laughs> huh. uh, the horror of randall continuing <laughs>
0: yeah um grace uses this sort of uh friend report as an excuse to start lecturing Hazel about the apex and how an evil robot took over the train because see the thing is is that the real conductor was a man with a big black helmet that had a a red line on it and he had the highest number in the world and that's why they have lines on their faces is to honor the man who built the train see because ever since the robot took over passengers have just been like disappearing when their numbers hit zero and no one knows where they go so you know it's it's weird uh, this actually is extremely concerning to Tuba, but they just kind of ignore her. And I don't know. I I do feel a little weird about this on account of they know that Amelia has the highest number, and yet they don't know that she was a woman. Like,
1: well, I mean, to, that, that to be... suit
0: of hers hid her arms more than her face. You know what I
1: mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean to be fair, like when Amelia was in the robot suit, like it does hide everything, and she yeah. had a voice sympathizer, so people couldn't tell. Like, based on her voice, but, like, you know, they kind of make the assumption about gender as a result of, like, how her voice sounded, because it was being played through a robotic filter. Yeah,
0: but I guess I mean, like, I am assuming that one of them saw her outside the robot at some point, because they know that she had the highest number, right? And the suit that she wore, like, not the mech suit, but the outfit she was wearing, it hid her arms all the way up to her neck, so I don't know how they knew this.
1: (laughs) It could be possible that, like, I mean, I don't... We don't get, like, clarification about the events of how, like, Grace met Amelia or anything, from my knowledge. Yeah. But, like, it could be, like, maybe when Grace was helping her out, like, the arm of her mech got damaged and, like, her, like, shirt sleeve got torn or whatever. So, like, she could have seen that her number was, like, a really high number, but not seen anything about Amelia to be like, oh, okay, that's a lady.
0: I guess... I don't know. I'm not trying to be prescriptivist about gender Mm -hmm. or whatever, but it just feels like it's a strange thing for them to say. Because if they know the one thing, they should know the other.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: But, yeah. Either way, um, this gets Hazel excited. So she declares that she hates 1-1 and asks Tuba if she can join. Uh, Tuba's a little hesitant, but Grace kind of just plows through, saying that Apex kids have to be special and brave, so maybe someday she can join. And then they head to the next car, uh, during the process of which Tuba sings Hazel a song that she used to sing to her kids and a verse that Hazel added. Uh, Simon tries to use this to get rid of Tuba, suggesting she should get back to her kids, but she just says that she can't go back because she is on her own now. And, you know, Hazel disagrees, because Tuba's with her. It's very cute. Which
1: I have to bring up. The logistics of Denizen's being able to have kids, I, I this is not something we would ever heard of before, I don't think at least to my knowledge, or recollection from books one or two? And, like, uh, what what happened to them?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: good question. Um, I'm guessing we'll get more answers in another episode, huh? <laughs> uh,
0: maybe, or maybe it will be a big mystery because it was supposed to be answered in season nine. We'll never know.
1: Mm. Hmm. Now I don't know if you're trying to hint at that being the actual answer, or if you do know and you're just trying to be Clay.
0: I will never tell you anything ever. <laughs> I, I, I hate being straightforward. I only tell secrets. <laughs> uh, but yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Tuba can't go back mysteriously. But I want to note, we've, we've had Tuba talking a lot more in this episode than we have, and her voice is very similar to Sad One. She just has that same kind of affect, so I don't know how deliberate that is, but it's interesting. It's like the same voice but without the mechanical filter, if that makes sense. But, um, yeah. So either way, they step into the debutante ball car, which is full of, like, Squidwards in Regency outfits, and they are dancing but they're quickly stopped by a chandelier man who explains that the door to the car only shows up after their introduction to society, and that they are very underdressed. Um, Simon basically just wants to kill everyone here, but they head to the cotillion room for Hazel's benefit, where they're supposed to learn the dance. But when they get there, the door seals behind them, and they have to learn the dance, or they'll be trapped in the room forever the end. Um. Grace does briefly panic a little, and Simon just has a snide comment about this being what happens when you trust the train and then grace starts plotting ways to bust out but uh, hazel and tuba want to learn the dance because after all there is a very clear path forward they could just do this thing it would be super easy
1: yeah again bringing up what i said earlier we've seen that people need to like i mean the train cars are different where it's like there's a puzzle there's something you need to do to like entertain or help out the denizens of there or it's just you can just walk to the other end and the door's right there they would know by now that this is one of the doors where you have to do the thing inside the car. And that there's no other way to get around that stuff. So why would you think that you could like just fucking find a different way out of this train car?
2: <laughs>
1: they're they're their yeah. own separate universes. You can't just be like there's a there's a hidden panel here that just leads to the outside in the wasteland. Hooray. Well.
0: I don't know that he's looking for a panel that leads to the Wasteland exactly, but I feel like he might be looking for another way to find the door, if that makes sense. Because they were told how the door shows up, but as we've seen in the other seasons, not every denizen is completely honest about how to make the door show up. Mm. <laughs> I remember Marcel the Cloud? I mean... Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, um... They, uh... They send Simon up into the vents to look for another way out as Grace practices the dance, but he's concerned about leaving her behind because these knolls are pretty dangerous, and she insists so he leaves his harpoon pack behind and agrees.
1: At this at this point Tuba should be picking him up and spiking his head into the ground for referring to her by with a slur. <laughs> well I'm mm, mm. Or at least Hazel should be kicking his shins.
0: <laughs> I don't disagree on a personal level, right? I would not sit back and take that kind of conduct. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know how much Tuba knows. And while she is definitely suspicious of them, I don't know that she knows the extent of how wicked they are, if that mm-hmm. makes sense.
1: I mean, she's definitely suspicious of them in general, just because they're shitty teenagers and they were really the basically well, yes. tried to get Hickel on their side away from tuba but already. But yeah. Yeah. Um I mean I don't I don't know I don't know how much like word ara- passes around the train in terms of like, yeah, there's a group of teenagers who are real shit and they some of them have been on here for like almost close to a decade now and they just keep being terrible people to everybody except other passengers. <laughs> and I don't know how much word spreads around if ever word ever got to Tuba. I mean, presumably if she actually heard everything about them, then she would have just been like, fuck these kids.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, (laughs) if she knew what the apex was, she would have just stopped that right away.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: Uh, so Hazel explains how to use the footsteps on the floor to learn a dance by, you know, stepping from one onto the next. And Grace is mildly surprised that Hazel knows this, but uh, Hazel just says that she, quote, took classes... Which gets Grace speculating that Hazel's mom may have been one of the, like, a dance mom. But, uh, Hazel doesn't actually seem to know what that is. Because the thing is, Hazel doesn't remember her parents at all, apparently. And, uh, Grace asking gets her kind of upset and she runs to hide behind Tuba. Um...
1: Also, I need to bring up real quick. Uh, Simon, my guy, you have anti-grav boots. Why are you climbing up this fucking pillar to try to find a way out? <laughs> 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 I had to bring uh, it up before we got too far from there because I remembered it in my notes. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they have
0: a limited battery. I don't know. Um... Yeah, but since since Hazel is upset, Grace tells her that it's okay she doesn't remember anything and tries to distract her a little by revealing that Grace also took a bunch of dance classes. She did uh, tap and hip-hop dance and ballet, but not ballroom because she had private instructors so there were never any other kids to practice with. And I do wanna... I have a note here that at, at this point is when I noticed but Hazel's body language in this episode is very simian and I think that is neat. she she moves in the same way that tuba does even though humans don't usually do that and i think it's really cute that she learned how to be a person Mm -hmm. from tuba so um they uh grace then says that her parents are like obsessed with her learning from the best of the best so she never had a chance to have group lessons and the only time she ever got put in a group recital she was kind of ostracized by the other kids because none of them knew her and uh this is a little too much she she lets too much out so she tries to cover for it by saying that they were jealous on account of how much better she was but Hazel he's through this she is surprisingly uh perceptive for a kid and she says it's okay because she doesn't know any other kids either uh at this point uh Simon gets back and falls 30 feet to his death By which I mean, he's okay, but he shouldn't be, because he literally just dropped 30 feet and landed on his face.
1: Yeah, yeah, he should definitely have, like, a fractured jaw at the least, if not be outright dead from this fall. (laughs)
0: Like, I don't know if you know this, but I learned a bunch of stuff in Scouts about falling and safe falling and stuff, because we did, Mm -hmm. like, rock climbing. And if you're above twenty-one feet, you have like an eighty percent chance of dying on impact. Yeah,
1: like, like I think even like ten feet or more is still just like, like you're not getting out of this without like at least some broken bones, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, ten feet. And, uh, ten feet to twenty-one is the broken bone zone, and above twenty-one is the death zone. So it's like I don't know. And again, he lands on his face. It's not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, at, at the least, directly on, like, the jawline. <laughs> like, right on his chin, at minimum. Yeah.
0: Um, but he is somehow fine, and he reports back that there is nothing outside the building at all. It's just an eternal black void, so it's too bad he didn't get lost in it. Um, <laughs> Grace decides that, of course, now they have to learn the dance, which he is unhappy about. Despite there very obviously not being another way out, come on, dude... <laughs> until she asks him to be her dance partner because he has a big time major crush on her so they dance and he's happy to be dancing with her because you know this is what he wants and he does quip about how good they are together which they they're not they're very not good at this dance but they do well enough to finish the steps and are brought out to the ballroom by the chandelier dude uh, they're also suddenly dressed for the time period but like we don't know what happened there. It, it happened during the cutaway. So, Yeah, similar uh,
1: to how they skip, had to skip over the uh, the bit of them getting dressed up for the runway stuff in Book 2.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, that said, Hazel is in a suit jacket and top hat that are enormously too big for her, and it's very cute. Um, <laughs> also, when they are announced, the uh, chandelier guy intros her as Hazel, last name unknown. So
1: apparently she has forgotten more than her parents. Um, I have a lot of theories about Hazel in this episode alone. <laughs> since she doesn't know her last name, doesn't know anything about where she's from, and does not have a glowing number, makes me come to certain conclusions. <laughs> huh?
0: Well, you see, once upon a time there was this really evil baby that crawled onto a train to get better <laughs> at being a person.
1: <laughs> and somehow only aged six years since.
0: <laughs>
2: well, listen, it's...
0: If you put a baby on a train for six years, it's six
1: years old. What's the big deal. You said a very long time ago. I said
0: once upon a time. That's not the same thing as a very long time once ago.
1: Once upon a time implies a good long time ago, not six years ago. It implies no such thing. That's how I interpret a long time ago. Like, a long time ago is at least, like, 15 years in my mind.
0: A long time ago is like six months in internet land.
1: I mean, fair, <laughs> but we're not on the internet. We're on this weird fucking train. We're literally on the internet. <laughs> that's not the internet. <laughs>
0: no, we are literally on the internet.
1: Oh um, well, yeah, but we're not on the train. <laughs> <laughs> They're I on the train. The train They're. Wi-Fi. Uh, absolutely not. Mm. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we never like if any of these kids who ever had a phone would have actually tried on the train itself. It would have been Tulip, and even she didn't try.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: I guess also, I mean, she's like twelve or thirteen. She might not actually be old enough to even have. No, no, she has a phone, doesn't she? Uh, I've seen the phone her. Recall having
0: a phone. Yes. She may not have had it with her though.
1: Um, I think she. I mean, she probably would have taken it with her just to be able to like get like figure out her way. No, she was using like the the brochure. She had a paper map. It. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going through the first episode now to see if she actually has a phone and if she took it with her.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, her mom has a phone. <laughs> right.
2: uh, well, you are looking
0: for that. Uh, they do the dance again, but for real this time. And Grace and Simon are way better than they were in the practice room. Like, We're talking magnitudes. We're talking they practiced this at least 15 times.
1: And she has a cell phone. She, she just picked it up. It's because her dad texted her about saying sorry that he couldn't take her to the uh, computer camp.
0: Okay, but does she take it on the train with her? Is the real question. She's,
1: she's looking out the window, thinking about running away. She's <laughs> on her boots, getting her gloves. getting her gloves. She's not shown putting it in her bag. She just has her bag ready already, and she just takes off. I don't know if, whether or not she had her phone with her, because... Uh, <laughs> Wait, let's see. Once she gets on the train, does she have her phone with her? Does she try to take it out at any point? <laughs> uh, Keep going. I'm going to keep watching this to see with the sound off.
0: Okay, I will say that while they're dancing, Simon and Grace do much nicer moves. Like, on the floor, they're just kind of stepping around in a pattern, right? But here, they're doing spins and twirls and dips. They could not have learned this from following steps on the floor. No,
1: absolutely not. There was no instructor there. There was just, like, the steps to go based on.
0: Even if there are steps for that, which I fully believe there are. Like, I know that that's a way of teaching people to dance. They could not possibly have learned to do it from unmarked steps without an instructor. That's just not... (sighs) it doesn't matter. Uh, Ultimately the dance goes well, the crowd applauds, and the door appears. So Grace gives Hazel all the credit for figuring out how to escape the car, and then uh, makes kind of a spur-of-the-moment decision and decides that Hazel is ready. Uh, She pulls out her lipstick and marks a sine wave on Hazel's face, saying that she's part of the Apex now. And uh, Hazel asks Grace to do Tuba, too, but they just kind of make up an excuse about the the sine waves being for kids only, so they can't since Tuba's not a kid. And, uh, I don't know when it happened exactly, but at some point during this number, Grace's number went up. Because her gloves stopped covering it, like... For this last scene, the number extends past the gloves, and it hasn't done that in the past.
1: I thought her number went down.
0: Well, that's the thing, right? So, usually her gloves cover the entire number, but now they don't anymore. So, at some point, it went up, and as we watch her walk away, it goes down again. (laughs) so yeah it's it's interesting, but yeah the the final shot of the episode is the number going down, and Tuba giving grace a knowing glare because Tuba has suddenly figured some stuff out, and that's it. the end, no more infinity train,
1: oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just weird, it abruptly ends right there, and nothing else <laughs> ever <laughs> uh, yeah i did I did just. I kind of scrubbed through it a little bit quickly for any time that she would have essentially had her phone out. we don't see Tulip take her phone out at all in that first episode. After her dad texted her, so who knows? Maybe she left her phone there since way she can be tracked or something because you know she was pissed at her parents. But who knows? We didn't see it on the train, and I'm not going to scrub through every single episode of season one again to see. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like I said, like this episode, like it's kind of just like kind of just one thing going on in this one, really, and it's just again all the hints about Hazel potentially. At least, in my theory is she's not a passenger, actually. <laughs> Cause, again, it's like there's enough there that it's like ever since she was introduced, and she had a number that wasn't glowing, it's like, hmm, I wonder why that is. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. the the kind of excuse that the kids came up with at that point of like, oh, one one's trying to hide her from us this way, we don't recruit her to the apex. It's like, yeah, I guess maybe, but also one one doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's really paying attention fully to this stuff going on. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, their whole thing is that they think 1-1 is moving against them, so even if you don't think 1-1 specifically is, like, the one doing it, it's very, someone moved that car while they were inside it, and they're not supposed to do that, and then they find this kid with the number off, like, someone's messing with the system, right?
1: (laughs) True, but like, I mean, could be somebody else maybe amelia is helping one one out i don't know yeah
0: i mean maybe this is amelia trying to reclaim the train yeah
1: or maybe it's her trying to make amends with one one by being like hey these kids are fucking around let's try to stop them for a change i don't know
0: maybe this is amelia going well i'll just be a serial killer who hunts serial killers point well, is Dexter i don't arc.
1: point is i don't think Kazel is the passenger because of uh her not knowing anything about her past and also not having a glowing number <laughs> um, i guess i guess we'll find out at some point in the next three weeks whether i'm right or not um, yeah no yeah, there's not that's re- there's really there's really not a whole lot else in that episode huh <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's interesting, right? Like, as much as this ep- this season has been about vibes, the first three have just been a lot of nothing, you know? We- I feel mm. like we could have covered this ground in the first episode.
1: Yeah, potentially. But I mean, like, I think they had to just, like, I don't know, they took a little bit of time, I think, to just have the incentive for why Grace and Simon are by themselves without their gang of shitty kids. And then yeah. just also took their time of introducing Tulip and, uh, not Tulip, uh, Tuba and Hazel. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, I bet that's going to happen a
1: lot. Um, I think it's already happened once last week. <laughs> <laughs> and It's already happened once this time. I'm sure it's going to happen yeah. at least once an episode during the entirety of the season.
0: <laughs> I guess I just mean, like, uh, book two was a lot more uh, direct action-focused, mm-hmm. and this one is way more vibes, and that's interesting to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, at the moment, there's really no, like, overall plot going on besides let's get back to the apex let's try to get rid of tuba yeah, yeah. and that's it <laughs> you know, like compared to like the other ones where it's like i mean obviously at the start of season two it wasn't you know uh but yeah no i mean like in that one it wasn't like obviously it didn't start with lake wanting to get off the train it was just them trying to evade the police basically and then when they met jesse it's like all right let's get you off the train so i can hang out with the deer. Mm-hmm. And then over time became okay. Yeah, no, I want to get out this drain too. Cause fuck this place, actually. <laughs> uh, I miss Alan Dracula. <laughs> I know that it would be a little bit easy, and just it—it like, it definitely would be way too easy to just bring back Alan Dracula more, even if it was just like a cameo in episode. But it's like, yeah, it, I miss him though. I'd—I'd I'd, I'd take him easily over these shitty kids. <laughs> Cause these kids are shit. I understand yeah.
0: that. I I really, really do, but yeah. It's mm-hmm. it would be so easy for him to be in every single episode.
1: Oh yeah. Much <laughs> like how like it would have been easy if one one showed up in every episode, but like it definitely was like a little bit more interesting, like to keep one one until like the very end of last season and to kinda have him as a little bit of an antagonist in a sense, rather than just being like, Hey, it's our buddy it's that guy <laughs> again. For him to just be like, no, the train's rules have to be, uh, you know, followed. So, you know, if maybe, maybe, like, getting grounded to dust would be the best thing, actually. Because it would solve my little conundrum. And it's like, you are not being a good person here at the moment. Owen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, uh, I guess we should just move on, huh?
0: Uh, yeah, I suppose so. So that means we need to talk about the Patreon. Yeah, um, of course, y'all have heard the pitch before, like... Patreon.com slash cast where if you are a subscriber, you get to listen to The Axe Files about 13 weeks in advance. It's rad.
1: Uh, and we, of course, also have other like, stuff, yeah. like uh, the weekly Let's Play that we have, where I had to take, well, I didn't have to take a break from the from those like that I'm doing at the moment. But I wanted to play Oxen Free 2 because I hadn't played it yet, so I played the first 90 minutes on that. Yeah, you know, just a, hey. norm, just a, just a normal, yeah, everyday yeah. uh small town, I think roughly around California, definitely doesn't have radio ghosts fucking with time or anything. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Everything's normal and cool there.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, don't worry about it. It's exactly <laughs> as normal as Animorphs. It's fine. But... Um, and, of course, I also do my weekly queer book review and recommendation every week. So, it's, it's a good time, and by this point, there's a fair backlog, uh, like... If you want reading material, it's in there. <laughs> but uh, for reals, uh, thank you all so much. And we have to shout out our patrons. So we need to give an enormous thank you to Trigger Harpy, Bookcase Queen, and Aurora Borealis. Yep. We Thanks, appreciate y'all. appreciate
1: your continued support.
0: You are the best. And uh, I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the show. Let's get back to the goofs.
1: Alright, uh, shit, I should have actually thought about how I'm gonna pronounce this because I don't really know French.
0: <laughs> Fuck. Um, <laughs> Le Chachelet.
1: Okay, yeah, okay. So, yeah, episode 4 is called Le, Ch- Le Chachery, as you said? Uh, Le Chachelet. Le Chachelet car. Apologies if Pixel listens to this. I know Pixel knows French, and I don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah. This episode basically just opens up with Tube and Hazel playing in the snow of another car, which I guess is that car, because we never really get it said. But I assume that's that place. Uh, uh, good
0: question. This might just be the cat's vacation home car.
1: <laughs> it could be. Like they could, I mean, they could have just called it something French, because the cat occasionally speaks French for some reason, <laughs> just at times. I uh, mean, and... yeah, I
0: think she's French. Um... <laughs>
1: Mm. i i i I mean we never got enough like of an implication from the cat in the past because like she just kind of like put some french terms in there but she never really like you know i think it's just because the cat hasn't been in the show overall as much especially in season two because she was only like uh, one episode total in that season compared to season one where she was in three episodes i think or four
0: Mm -hmm. i think it was four uh apparently this is le chalet car
1: but it oh wait. But it's is it just that? Because I have I have like four words written down.
0: No, I mean the name of the car is that. That's not the name of the episode.
1: <laughs> oh okay. Oh weird. <laughs> I guess this is like one of the few times the episode isn't fully named after location. Then in yeah like, exactly. Huh. Weird. Okay, but yeah. Uh, basically, just two Ben Hazel playing in the snow with this car, as Simon pretends to be just like fully militaristic like, mil- about keeping active to maintain your body temperature. But he basically was just using that as cover to be able to grab a snowball and throw it at Grace. <laughs> That's all he was doing, really. But he was just acting like he's like, Yeah, you gotta keep moving and keep up your body temperature or else you'll die. Uh, this just escalates into a full snowball fight in which Hazel teaches Grace about warming the snow with your ungloved hands to get them to stick, which is honestly something I did not know either. But it makes sense because you gotta melt it a little bit in order yeah. to keep it more together. Yeah,
0: you don't want it super uh, melty, but just enough to stick.
1: Yeah. Uh, when Grace goes to toss a snowball at Simon, she finally notices that her number is a little bit lower from last time, uh, but that, she goes to pick up Hazel, after she just kind of eats a snowball to the face and laughs a little bit with her, her number decreases again, which kind of just startles her a lot, because she's like, shit, this is not what we're supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be increasing numbers, fuck. <laughs> uh, Tuba tosses an entire boulder of snow at Simon, who begs pharmacists, but too late, so rip to that guy again dead for, like, the fourth time in this entire show so far. <laughs> he just eats shit. Uh, and after grilling Tuba on breaking the truth that he declared, only when he knew he was about to get dunked on, he goes over to Grace saying that the Snow is getting worse, but she's just too distracted by her number at the moment, but does agree that they should go and head over to the cabin that Tuba spots. They go and enter, and two it just shakes snow off of her and directly onto the cat's book, because she's here on vacation, which apparently is her first vacation in 150 years, so the cat is old to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Again, bringing into question the nature of denizens on the train, that apparently they can have children, but I guess also they just live forever unless they're fully killed or something? I uh, don't know. Quite potentially. It seems like <laughs> it. I mean, like. I still don't know the cat's whole overall deal, because, like, the cat kind of just seems like she's just doing whatever she wants on the train. I thought that she had, like, a higher role overall, I guess, on the train, back in book one, when she was running her own car with stuff in it. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, like, that I, was I, just I, her house. <laughs> I guess. I mean, she's she's tried to sell stuff to people before with the donut holder and also with the carnival. But it, yeah, her, her
0: job on the train is to be a con artist that's
1: <laughs> i guess she's just here it's like I, I guess i always thought of her as like oh she's gonna have like some higher role overall on the train rather than just kind of just doing whatever the fuck she wants <laughs> <Just> going around <laughs> on various parts of the train all the time and just keeps running into the same people on occasion <laughs> uh she recognizes grace obviously uh, but when she sees Simon, her attitude towards him cools off a little bit, and she says that they can stay for a while. But Simon's just desperate to leave, but they're just absolutely fully instilled in after just, like, a few minutes of being inside this cabin, somehow, which just fully infuriates him because everything sets off Simon. And, you know, Grace is just having none of his shit and goes to look for supplies since they're stuck here for the time being. It's Like, Simon just sucks in this episode overall, really. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand that he has a lot of trauma and abandonment issues, but yeah. he is also just fully being his worst self in every possible way.
1: Yep. So yeah, uh, while this goes on, Grace goes and passes by a bear cooking in the kitchen, who just kind of has his whole bathrobe open, <laughs> and they just kind of look at each other before they just silently move on. <laughs> yeah,
0: listen, my man, like I've been there. Don't cook <laughs> naked, especially yeah, no.
1: yeah, don't don't cook naked. <laughs> like you gotta make sure that if like if splatter of any sort, especially if you're on the stove, you want to make sure there's clothes between you and your skin. Especially the crucial parts that you don't want getting hurt.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. so there's like. Okay, so this one time, right, I was making spaghetti, and I was naked, because why not? It's my apartment, right? But uh, I went to drain the spaghetti, and I've got one of those pots that has the drainer lid, so I took it to the sink, and I flipped mm-hmm. it over to drain the water, and I just put the bottom of the pot square onto my nipnops. And,
1: no! Uh, <laughs> that was not a fun week. <laughs> don't cook <come> naked. <laughs> Don't cook naked. (laughs) Easy title for this episode, I think.
0: Honestly, I was thinking something along the lines of, Frank lets it all hang out. (laughs) Also, speaking of which, this dude is definitely the cat's
1: boyfriend, right? I didn't read it like that. <laughs> I just read him as like a friend that's just hanging out here, or maybe this is where he just stays usually. I don't know. I mean there's no there's as we'll find out later there's not been water at this place for centuries, so who the fuck knows? I mean <laughs> yeah, just here but, hanging like, out, I guess.
0: <laughs> sure, but you go to a friend's house, you go to a friend's ski cabin and just walk around naked all the time? I don't know. Mm, no.
1: I don't know, I didn't see anything about this bear showing up again. He apparently actually (laughs) showed up in a previous episode in the carnival one.
2: Oh, Because he was there apparently in
1: the background, but I didn't see anything about him showing up again, or any details about if he's in a relationship with the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I don't know, who can say? Maybe, maybe, I mean, the cat doesn't wear pants, so (laughs) that brings up another... This is cartoon animal stuff, okay? I guess it's like, don't think about it too hard, I guess. But also, don't cook naked.
0: But yeah. Um, in any case, apparently there is a framed painting on the wall of the cabin in this very episode with him and the cat together. So.
1: Okay, I didn't know that then.
0: Uh, blah, well, blah, then. Blah. on Twitter, Owen oh, Dennis confirms that Frank and the cat are in a relationship, but it is casual. They're not like romantic. They're just hanging.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right then. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's why Frank is just there, I guess. <laughs> in any case, uh, that <laughs> happens as Tuba and Hazel are playing with a little water fountain that has a Randall in it. Uh, basically, the Randall is seems to be implied of keeping the water cycling in perpetuity because it's like it's one of those kinds that it's like it looks like the water be sucked like at the bottom to go back to the top. But it doesn't look like it's plugged in, so it's probably just Randall doing it. Uh, But yeah, but the cat tells them that they weren't brought along to this cabin to chat with others, because I guess that's the only reason Randall's here is just for ambiance rather than conversation. (laughs) And then inquires about Hazel and Tuba as they don't look like Apex kids. Uh, But then she knows Hazel's number, to which Grace says that 1-1 turned it off. Oh wait, Hazel says that, uh, Grace says that 1-1 turned it off, is Mm -hmm. the way she puts it. Uh, but when she tries to get a closer look, Simon grabs her by her little neck uh, neck scruff and threatens her, because Simon is an asshole. Uh, she just merely replies that he couldn't stop her even with his whole army, only for Frank the Bear to ask if they have any allergies, since he's making pancakes, apparently. At least this time, he's, his robe is closed. <laughs> uh, but the cat just brushes him away, because he's just interrupting. Uh, and at this Simon reiterates to the cat to stay away from Hazel, and, you know, she does give in just to get him off of her tail. I didn't mean that intentionally with her actually having a tail. It's just better expression. <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh, sometime later, Simon's annoyed that Grace only came back with supplies meant for staying at the cabin and not for the road because again, he's just being his shitty self, wanting to leave. And then just begins another argument with her, even though there's a freaking blizzard outside, and so Grace just tells him to go find a way to keep himself busy and get out of her hair for once, because <laughs> apparently she thinks that she basically always has to tell him what to do, and he doesn't have thoughts of his own.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's being pretty needy right now.
1: He is, yeah. He's he's just going around annoying everybody, basically, at this point. But yeah. You would
2: think that uh, a dude like
0: this could find a corner to sit in and write a fantasy novel or whatever these are the things he enjoys doing
1: (laughs) didn't he actually say that he was like writing something that grace had not read like back in the Uh, previous episode
0: yes in episode two he said that he had written an entire fantasy novel uh grace was supposed to read it and she hasn't uh not only that but he has painted miniatures and posed a diorama of a scene from that novel so
1: yeah, like he he could do something to keep himself entertained and just keep out of everybody else's hair, but he's not <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In any case, uh, yeah, da, da, da. he basically just goes wandering off into the house and eventually finds a storage room full of like weird stuff that the cat collects, which apparently just includes a taxidermy gome, because it's just hanging out in there. <laughs> you know, I don't know how the. Huh?
0: If I'm honest, I kind of thought that this was his room, like. Because it's got the, uh, the, the painted figures, right? And the yeah the
1: he does, he and does, the... he does pick... Yeah, he picks up that little, like, toy soldier and, like, looks at it a little bit, but he doesn't elaborate on that.
0: Mm. Yeah, so, like... Uh, I don't know. I just thought that this was his room from back
2: when... Before. Yeah, potentially.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, uh... We can say we, we didn't... I mean... Hmm... I feel like he would have brought up that he like he probably would have been more of a shit in general if he realized that this is that same car from if he was here before like maybe he would have recognized it and been like oh shit I recognize that Gavin fuck <laughs> that's fair yeah. Yeah. well yeah.
0: then again there hasn't been water here right so maybe yeah. it looks completely different
1: sorry speaking of water I was taking a drink because my throat was starting to get a bit dry because you know it's still a hell of a world out there with this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, he basically is startled by that gome and leaves the room in annoyance, putting down that little soldier that he had grabbed. Which, again, I feel like annoyance is Simon's only emotion he's capable of actually showing at this point, because <laughs> that's all he's been these four episodes so far. <laughs>
0: yeah, that is almost certainly true. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh. Uh, Hazel, Tuba, and the cat are basically just over brewing tea, which they found in the box of supplies that Grace had brought. Which, again, Simon just comes over to start shit with them, because turns out, uh, over, he finally admits the reason why he's been annoyed, which is that his cat, the- no, not his cat, the cat used to be his companion on the train that we had gotten hints of last episode. <laughs> and then he tells the story of how, before he met Grace, he met the cat in the very first car that he woke up in, before he even realized he was in a car on the train, but after just a few months of helping him out, she left him, and he describes it as, like, left... Left him to die at the hands of a gome, basically. <laughs> he doesn't really elaborate on that, and the cat does not say this is wrong, so <laughs> maybe the cat realized this kid was a piece of shit early on and <laughs> was like, yeah, I gotta get out. Do you uh... think
0: that the taxidermied gome she has is the one that tried to kill Simon and she, like, stuffed it in vengeance?
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, who can say? I mean, again, how does the cat have a taxidermy Gome Because, like, that would imply that gomes can be killed somehow, even if we haven't seen them actually be fully killed. Mm-hmm. And then, I guess, you could stuff them. Somebody on the train knows how to s- knows taxidermy, <laughs> apparently.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, the cat talks to everybody, right? She knows somebody, surely.
1: Yeah, I guess. The, the cat is definitely the person who's like, don't worry, I know a guy. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, she does collaborate this, and at that point we get confirmation that Simon has been on the train since he was 10, which, uh, I feel like we at least got some implication of that, because he and Grace at least met yeah. up when they were 10, roughly, but seems to imply that they didn't actually know each other from before the train. Because, like, that, yeah. I, I don't know, I, I, I kind of rather like that, because it's not like he was like, oh yeah, I knew Grace beforehand, and she happened to also be on the train, but she was on the train before him, definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no that that's definitely the implication there. And from what I'm reading, I I don't remember what conclusion we came to before, but apparently it's been eight years since then. So he is eighteen. Yeah,
1: I yeah I did I did see his age listed as eighteen when I was looking yeah. at the uh voice actor.
0: I think when we talked about him before, we weren't sure, but we called him like sixteen plus. So now we have that confirmation.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been on the train for eight years, which is like. Jeez, at this point, Guy, I guess you just have never considered that your family's probably been freaking the fuck out <laughs> since then. I has been I mean, here I, almost half his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been here for almost half his whole life overall, and it's like I guess he doesn't think about that. I mean, to be fair, we don't know what his family situation was like back home. It could be a Tobias situation where they just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just went off to be a bird instead. Uh, yeah, in any case, uh, the cat basically, yeah, they, they reiterate at that point about the story with the gome, but Grace saved him, and then he kind of just shittily blames Grace for not caring about his problem for while they were staying here when, unless she knew the full context of it, but she doesn't seem like she did based on how she's, like, there during the scene, not acting like she knew this before, how would she know that this is the thing that's been bothering you? Even if uh-huh. she knew that this is the thing that's been bothering you, you haven't, like, vocally said, like, I can't be in a, anywhere near this cat, please let us leave. She, he hasn't said that at all. <laughs> He's kind of just blaming her for his own trauma, and it's like, she's not to blame. <laughs> like, the cat is the one to blame here a little bit, and also, you need to process some shit, my dude.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess a thing that I'm really curious about is, like... They normally do not hesitate at all when they're looking at denizens, right? So yeah. why is it that he doesn't just try to kill the cat? I don't understand that. Unless yeah. he realizes that he is wrong and that there are actually personalities and feelings behind these people, which I don't think he would ever admit.
1: He does at least seem sad at the fact that he says goodbye to the cat later. Like they both, They both do seem like they have regrets over how things went. So but it's like I don't know, some part some part of him seems like he knows that denizens are people, but he also is too narrow minded and proud of himself to actually admit that openly. Yeah. Like he doesn't say he doesn't say goodbye to the cat in front of the others. They already have left basically by that point when he says yeah. that. So I feel like he wouldn't have done so in front of the other people.
0: Yeah, but I guess the thing that's sticking with me is there's a moment on the stairs there where he's alone and Grace comes in, and he's, he's curled up, he's terrified, and he says, she's collecting again. And what that tells me is that this is a problem she's had in the past, and he helped her to work through it, like an addiction almost. Yeah. And it seems like he is really emotionally invested in the cat in a way that he shouldn't be able to be if this isn't a person, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, she was the first person he met on the train, so like, I feel like there's also just some like lingering fondness for her there because she didn't help him at first even if for some unspecified reason she left him
0: yeah I mean that's that's certainly true I just everything they've said this entire time has been they're not people they don't have emotions they don't mm. think they don't feel and he does not act like that for the cat it's, it's just yeah. interesting mm. especially given that this is 10 minutes ago oh uh let's merc tuba
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was only, like, ten minutes ago, basically. <laughs> maybe, like, an hour at most. Like maybe Grace spent that amount of time looking around for stuff. Yeah. Which, I don't... I don't really get why she's going around looking for supplies. It's like, there's enough stuff there to make pancakes, you just heard. So, it's like, I feel like you don't have to be like, all right, guys, time to scavenge. <laughs> See whatever we got. <laughs> it's like, they they have stuff, obviously. They have enough to make pancakes. <laughs> well, the cats are on vacation.
0: But, like, it's... Someone's house, right? And also she invited that, yeah. you into her house and said you can stay here for a while. You don't need to scavenge for supplies. You can just ask where the pantry is.
1: Yeah, like yeah, the cat Frank and some amount of Randall's to <laughs> see are here, and it's like they they all have to have some amount of food to be able to stay here on vacation without having to presumably go to another car because we didn't see any other houses in this car. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you are here as guests. Don't just raid whatever room you can <laughs> yeah. for stuff.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like they they came in like their fucking Kramer, just being like, "All right, time to just see what you got." <laughs>
0: <laughs> they are think yeah. and they are breaking all her pottery. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, I gotta look for arrows and an apple. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, oh yeah. During that whole conversation when uh, Grace is talking to him, she does. To kind of just admit that she was distracted by her number lowering and that she didn't want anybody in the apex to think less of her because of it, because she has just also a bit of an ego about it with, oh, her number's been the highest one, therefore she's the leader, and now she's not happy about that. Well, her number's not the Uh, highest
0: one anymore, Simon's is higher, so he's the leader.
1: Well, he doesn't act like that, because he does, to (laughs) his credit, tell her that he's with her regardless, so it's like... At least Simon sticks by the per like apparently the one person he can actually tolerate on the train.
0: I guess Simon gets a second point in this episode somehow.
1: <laughs> I mean he's still probably deeply in the negatives though. Oh yes. It's like congratulations Simon, you're at negative like forty eight instead of negative fifty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this guy just yeah. sucks so much. I know this episode <laughs> is supposed to make you feel for him, but he still just really sucks.
0: Oh yeah, no, he's a bad dude. He has yeah. abandonment issues, and he's way too clingy, and he feels like people belong to him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, but yeah. In any case, they go back to the others in time to see that the water they were using like tea was also Randall, because <laughs> <laughs> Randall is tea now, and that is horrifying. But also in line with Randall being invulnerable, so of course he can become tea now. And this is when the cat explains that the cabin has apparently not had working water for centuries, so... (laughs) Why are you staying here? (laughs) Like, Okay, cat, you have, like, multiple business ventures. Clearly you could find, like, a source of, like, a few water jugs and bring those with you for this, right? (laughs) You brought your bear boyfriend, he could carry that stuff. (laughs) It's not like you would have to try to droll it or something because you're a cat. That is certainly
0: true. However, I would suggest that maybe the reason she imported randals is because they can form, like, an atmosphere and junk. They can be snow if they need to.
1: I guess, but still. <laughs> I don't think you want to drink a randal.
0: Uh, I assume that would not be pleasant, but I have no idea.
1: <laughs> the, okay, if if you drink Randall, is it the same as actually drinking water, just having a sentient being inside you? Is it, is it basically like Randall has the same level of nutrients as water does, but you would just have a person inside your body, inside your stomach just talking to you at times?
0: I believe that would be the case, yes.
1: Uh, <laughs> like that early up to the future, I'm to try to the Emperor. <laughs> okay, yes.
0: From the audition sides, Randall is a water person, as in literally made of water. So, yeah. He, he's just sentient water.
1: Yeah, he can. You become tea, and as we'll see soon, snow. So and steam, so makes sense, I guess. Still, still horrifying.
2: <laughs> also, yeah,
1: like maybe, maybe cat. You could like put in the requisition with one one to get the water turned on in this place. You know, one one. <laughs> yeah, you help them. You have to out. Maybe you could. Maybe you could do it. Give a solid. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. It's horrifying. Yeah. In any case, uh, yeah, she basically uh, has imported Randalls for this purpose. Uh, I don't know if this is a problem. I guess this is an issue we should bring up with one one entirely because I doubt it was Amelia who turned off the water in this cabin centuries ago. Because Amelia definitely wouldn't live that long. She was running an old lady basically by the time we saw her on the train. She's she's not centuries old. This is was, <laughs> this was an original one one problem. <laughs>
0: As far as I know, your lifespan does not extend when you get on the train, but I guess if yeah. the cat lived 150 years, maybe. Well,
1: uh, I mean I don't think that it would affect uh, passengers because, like, yeah, they're different than people made by the train, basically. So I, I envision it's like, yeah, if you stay on the train long enough, you would die at the normal, like, old age that you would normally. Probably more, probably sooner, because there's no doctors on the train. <laughs> thing
0: about the train is that we do not and cannot know anything about it. For all we know, the cat could just be a regular cat who survived for hundreds of years and eventually learned to talk.
1: Yeah, the cat is Meowth. The cat learned how to speak because she wanted to elope of her bear boyfriends. Exactly. <laughs> Literally the reason why Meowth learned how to speak English. He was trying to mm-hmm. ruin another Meowth who was then uh, beaten there by a Persian anyway. <laughs> Uh, I remember that episode clearly because it was actually kind of sad, and made you feel for Meowth which is not the thing Mioff had done before I mean, it was a really trans episode al also that yeah, and then you remember yeah meow was also voiced by a trans woman,
2: yeah
1: yeah, in any case, uh getting back to infinity drain, uh Grace goes and grabs some of the snow to use uh instead, basically at that point, but it's also made entirely Randall. So they basically uh, let it just fully melt and ask, hit, uh, ask them if they can stop the blizzard. And it turns out that uh, that was apparently just a bunch of randals having a snowball fight since they saw the group's snowball fight and wanted to join in. So that's why the blizzard happened. It's kind uh, of screwed
0: up that for randals huh? to have a snowball fight, they have to subdivide into two randals and then throw one of the randals at the other randals.
1: Yeah, but I mean, Randall has already split into multiple different Randalls to try to sell them on the donut hole or business venture as all, so it's like, Rand- Randall doesn't have a problem with just, like, making more Randalls. or the issue I have isn't
0: making more Randalls, it's asexually reproducing specifically for the purpose of throwing your child at someone else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that just Dragapult in a sense? Dragapult's throwing <laughs> its children at people. <laughs> yeah, but they like it. <laughs> 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 and Randall's clearly do too they're having fun <laughs> with the snowball fight uh, so it's all good I guess uh, so yeah Grace said that they had called an armistice earlier so uh, they have to cut it out So and Randall being Randall easily agrees to this and to let every other randall know that the snowball fight is over they toss them into the kettle and turn them into steam so this way they can turn and go and tell the cloud randalls that it's now time for them to talk terms instead of continuing the war basically <laughs> uh but so the snow ends up parting for them all to leave and as they all head out uh the cat and simon sadly tell each other goodbye and that's that episode <laughs> so again it's like this is actually at least an episode where stuff happens even if it's just simon is a dick and we get his backstory yeah, which is that he used to know the cat, and then the cat left him for dead when he was a child.
0: <laughs> See, this is probably my favorite episode of the season so far, despite Simon being so Simon. Yeah, like it's
1: a... it's the one where like there's actually like some progress forward. I feel like again, you get that hint that like Simon realizes that denizens are people, even if he still wouldn't fully admit it in terms of like people like Tula, uh, Tuba. Fuck, I said Tulip again. Shit.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> oh, can start a counter for that. Um. It's
1: at least at three. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: But yeah, Yeah. no, I mean, this is, while it is a Simon-heavy episode, and while we do pretty much hate that guy, it's very, it paints a poignant picture of him as a lost child on the train, and we really get an image of how he came to be the person he is, even if we don't like that person.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, you can at least understand how he got from point A to point B in terms of, like, this was the inciting incident that led him down this path of being an absolute piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was literally left for dead at the hands of a fucking giant cockroach by a person he thought was his friend, so of course he'd be like, yeah, people that are the trained creeps are not people, fuck them. They they exist just for us to profit off of. <laughs> Like, you understand that fully and clearly. He's yeah. still a ship, though. <laughs> and he should actually, like, sit down and consider his fucking trauma and learn from it. But he doesn't seem like the kind of person that would do that. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it's hard to sit with your trauma when you don't have any kind of, like, mental health support. And also, you are responsible for the lives of dozens of children and... <laughs>
1: Yeah. Like you, you live in the fucking echo chamber of people who also are also acting entirely like you because you've basically raised them exactly to be that.
0: Yeah. I don't even want to think about what generation two of the Apex is gonna be like. That's just gonna be horrible.
2: The poor kids.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's all I really have for this episode. It's no, it's it's again been weird to think about like how these first four episodes have been like it's in some points like a lot of like exposition and another is not.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, now that I'm really thinking about it, it kind of reminds me of because this is all vibes, right? It's all tension mm-hmm. and it's simmering and simmering and simmering. It feels like all of a sudden I'm realizing we're waiting for the beat to drop this is this yeah. is the build-up yeah
1: like something like something's gonna happen and when it happens it's gonna be real bad basically
0: yeah we're just waiting for the lubs um <laughs> yeah um well in that case uh we do have some questions or rather one question this week if you have questions for us you can catch us at us cast on twitter or at us cast on co uh we put, Well, Vivian puts out a question post every week to see what we're going to talk about. Uh, and our question this week comes from Aurora Borealis at Casey Cosmos on Twitter. Uh, what core design do you find yourself aligned to? And for clarity, that's like um, cottage core Got, is the one yeah, you yeah. used in the question post. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. What's your core?
1: <laughs> uh, I, I think when it comes to it, it's kind of just cozy core. Because, like, I mean, I like wearing clothes that are actually just comfortable more than anything. Makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, my wardrobe is kind of just all over the fucking place. It's not really, like, any, like, set style. So it's, like, couldn't say, like, golf core or witch core or anything like that if those really count as cores. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, no, nah, Like, it, it's really just, like, yep, I, I like the soft stuff. I like the clothes that actually feel nice. I like the nice soft blanket. <laughs> I guess
0: I don't, like, can you just throw any word in there? I don't know how that works.
1: I, I think you can.
0: Huh. Uh, I don't know, like... Friggin... Lazy goth? <laughs> <laughs> I don't... <sighs> lazy goth is what's always worked for me. I wear the clothes, I don't do the makeup. It's too much work. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I still haven't really, like, practiced makeup much. Like, I mean, I'm still mostly at the point where it's, like, in the couple of days leading up to, like, uh, when I do the electrolysis, it's mostly just me using, like, concealers just to, like, obscure the appearance of the facial hair and stuff.
0: Okay, here we go. Aesthetics mm-hmm. wiki, uh, list of core suffixes. Uh, there's oh, 162 of these, so I'm not going to pick all of them, but uh, <laughs> I like mommies on the phone core. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do we got wait, here? Wait, Old hang meme on. core. <laughs> what uh, is
1: this list that is saying "Mommy's on the phone"? Core as one of the cores. <laughs> I'll go ahead and drop it in our chat.
0: Um, oh, it's boy. it's a list of every uh, cozy childhood hideaway core. Uh,
2: hmm. I like that the
1: uh, picture or uh, preview for weird core is simply a person holding up a few rats. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, user blog colon the dreamlands terminal backslash haven core
2: <laughs>
1: i'm calling in the question this site <laughs> i mean this it's not fandom.com slash wiki so you know <laughs> how often uh, did we have to drag fandom.com through the mud for their air quotes trivia and She-Ra not being trivia <laughs> <laughs> Still still always think back to it's like, oh, this is the episode where uh uh freaking Glimmer got her powers back. Gee, you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's in the fucking summary, <laughs> fandom.
0: <laughs> okay, uh final answer, I'm gonna go with a unholy union between villain core and vacation dad core.
2: <laughs> <sighs>
1: Alright. Yeah, there we go. I-, I feel like we're both just also like again, like you say, like a little bit just too lazy to have like the like overall, like, this is aesthetic and cannot change thing. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know. To me, fashion is very mutable, if that
1: makes sense. I'll admit Mm -hmm. there are certain
0: rules that I tend to follow, but generally it's just whatever I like.
1: Yeah. So Some some days you want to be all nice and fancied up with, like, a nice dress or whatever, and other days you just want to sit in a fucking t-shirt that doesn't have sleeves and just kind of has half your titty out. (laughs) Uh... I mean, if that's what works for you. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: uh, I don't the shirt I'm wearing at the moment. Enjoy dresses, T.B.H.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're not for everybody.
0: I don't know how to describe it. It's it's not. They don't skirts. I'm fine with right skirt great. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 top half of a dress usually just doesn't do what I want it to, and they rarely come in patterns that I enjoy. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. that yeah. Again, they're, they're not very really, obviously.
0: Absolutely. And since we only had one question this week, we're going to dive into our Frakes takes. So I hope you're ready for this because it's it's well I mean they're all weird, but <laughs> this week's Frakes take is uh call a plumber to your home lately. Wait, what was that? <laughs> Call a plumber to your home lately?
1: No, I live in an apartment. <laughs>
2: yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> I could use I feel a like plumber. We, I, I feel like we should pull a different question, because neither of us are homeowners. <laughs> I, I if there's a com- problem with our apartment, that's something that the landlord has to take care of. We don't. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't have to call a person for that shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, I wouldn't pull complain a diff- pull if a, different, a plumber showed pull up. sink has
0: been draining very slow lately, but... <laughs>
1: Get some draino. Pull another question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I didn't want to use more than one because there's a limited list, you know. But let's go for it. Get, uh, we'll
1: we'll, f- we'll find some like nonsense questions list as- afterwards if we need to.
0: <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, take two. How superstitious are
1: you? Uh, not really. I don't think. <laughs> I, I don't. I guess I don't view it as like a like cosmic karma to be a thing necessarily of like oh if you like i also don't think of like oh yeah you need to avoid black cats because black cats deserve love too They all kitties deserve to be petted and My like cats are very good yeah and it's like i don't i don't think it's like a case of like oh yeah like the whole like don't go under a freaking ladder or whatever or bad luck and it's like that's that's just not mm-hmm. I
0: mean, Th- going those are... under a ladder specifically mm-hmm. is bad luck, because things are very likely to fall on your head, so...
1: Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, but that's unrelated. That's just you being underneath a ladder. That's not like you walk under it, and all of a sudden you're fucking cursed for seven years or whatever.
0: Well, that's where the superstition came from. <laughs> yeah, but also
1: superstitions are fucking dumb. <laughs>
0: <sighs> Listen,
1: it's... how do I put this? Um... Hmm. We're, not, we're not Eugene from Hey Arnold, which in actuality ended up being Arnold. In <laughs> that funny episode where they closely examined it, being like, wait a sec. All, all these bad things only happen to Eugene when Arnold's around, Eugene. So clearly it's actually like Arnold. That's the one who's cursed. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: guess I'm just trying to figure out a way to talk about this without going too deep into my religious beliefs on air. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically. I am a practitioner of what is generally called chaos magic, which is to say, a belief system in which anything can be true if you believe in it. So it's not that I'm superstitious exactly, but if in that moment I need a superstition and perform that ritual, then yeah, I believe it. Because that's what it takes to make it work. Belief is what
1: powers it, not anything else. So. Yeah. yeah i mean i've never been like a necessarily like a richest person in any regard anyway so it's like you know people being like oh if you sin you're gonna go to hell and it's like yeah okay yeah, where's the scientific proof of that <laughs> again not not trying to drag people's beliefs through the mud or anything believe what you need to in order to help you get through the day i've just always been a bit cynical of that stuff in general but also That's partially because I was forced to go to church every week. It wasn't Mm -hmm. an option that I had as a kid. So, of course, I didn't like it because it was eating into my fucking weekend when it's like, I just want to be able to do kid stuff on the weekend. I don't want to sit in here.
0: Ah, see, we went exactly the opposite direction. These are the two things that happen when you're forced to go to church. Either they become a complete atheist or they become an esoteric weirdo. (laughs)
1: yeah you know i just happen to be an esoteric weirdo in different regards (laughs) unrelated to religion (laughs)
2: Uh, Yeah. yeah
0: it's it's i've had my uncomfortability with chaos magic recently it's very um you take whatever practice you need and believe it in the moment and that's how you do stuff but that was really a thing that started in the like 60s and 70s and it's very appropriative now that we know about that and like Mm, as much as that's a thing that i've been quote-unquote adhering to for a while it's also not really a thing i practice if that makes sense because there's a lot of toes to step on and i don't want to do that
2: right
1: makes sense but yeah, uh, anyway. We can just move on to trivia. Yeah, uh, <laughs> moving past uh,
0: my specific religious beliefs and discomfort with the relative level of uh, appropriativeness Yay. in uh, modern magical practice.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, uh, I only have a few bits of trivia. Uh, the first is a really major one, though. Okay. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, I mean, I'll cover the smaller one. Frank's voice actor is just Owen Dennis. Frank is not really much of a character. He's just He's just there. He, Like I said, he also had a cameo in the Lucky Cat Car. But the big new voice actor of a character that I'm pretty sure was a one-off was the Chandelier from the previous episode, who I think we just kind of glazed over entirely in your synopsis. I referred
0: to him (laughs) like like six times.
1: Okay, maybe I'm forgetting that. (laughs) I called him the Chandelier Dude every time. Well, yeah, he's just called the Chandelier. He doesn't actually have a full name or anything. But he is voiced by Alfred frickin' Molina, (laughs) weird enough. (laughs) Uh, who I didn't know was in the show because he's the voice of Tony Hancock in Hancock. He is Satipo, I think that's how you pronounce that, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm honestly forgetting who Satipo was. Uh, he is Snidely Whiplash and Dudley Do-Right. I know Octavius in Spider-Man 2, it's video game adaptation, No Way Home, and technically Across the Spider-Verse. For <laughs> archival friends. Uh archival Professor Derek Knight in Monster University and Monsters at Work. I saw it at Monster University. I don't know who the fuck Professor Knight is. <laughs> 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 uh, Double Dan in Ralph Breaks the Internet. I think I remember that guy, even though Ralph Breaks the Internet is like, yeah, It's still such a weird name for his equal to R- Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, yeah, he's also King. Hmm. At-
0: no, I mean, you're right. It's definitely a weird name, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like you would think it would just be like called like Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph broke the internet would be like subtitle or whatever. It just sounds uh, weird on its own.
0: Double Dan is the guy who you think is going to be a villain until it's revealed that Ralph is the villain.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I think he's like the guy who th- makes like the virus or something. Right? Yep. Yeah, because I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's that guy or it's one of the like information guys that they talked to at one point. Ah, right. Yeah. In any case, uh, yeah, he's also the voice of King Agnar in Frozen Two, who I think is Elsa Nana's. Grandfather, great grandfather, I think. I think uh, he's the guy that like started shit that caused like all the elemental stuff to go out of balance or something. Yeah, that would be the guy. Yeah, um, he is also uh Hercules. Oh god, I don't know how to pronounce the last name Poirot in Murder on the Orient Express. I think that's how you pronounce
0: that, right? No, nope, both wrong. Agnar is their dad.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess. I guess I don't see the through line between like a guy whose name is Agnar and. Naming his children Elsa and Anna. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Or Anna, I guess.
0: They're Norwegian. Okay, I. They're Norse names.
1: (laughs) Okay, I guess it doesn't sound as similar in my head, I guess. Uh, Yeah, I mean. That's just me, I don't know. (laughs)
0: Agnor and Eduna had the kids Anna and Elsa,
1: so. (laughs) I forgot this wife's name is Eduna, yeah. To be fair, you don't learn anything about these people in the first movie because you see no, them you in, like a scene don't. before they die in the boat. <laughs> I'm
0: not super sure you get their names in the second movie. They might just be there in flashback. I, I
1: think no. I think you get their names in the in the second film. Definitely not in the first. <laughs> They're just super dead in like the beginning part during the Do you want to build a snowman? Uh, I didn't know there you about got... them
0: because of the novel that came
1: out, but. <laughs> oh boy remember movie adaptation novels Oh, <laughs> well,
0: this wasn't a movie adaptation it was uh i don't remember the title of it but it was a, a book that happens in between it was like a a, a midquel
1: oh weird <laughs> yeah it's i mean about... i guess there were i guess there were like a lot of those in terms of like videos and like one-offs like there was like some like olaf stuff i think that was like in between those two just goofy shit that they did because of course they had to do more frozen stuff because they were never not gonna do more frozen.
0: Yeah, but this was like a full on novel novel. It, it was about um Elsa discovering that iduna was a witch and finding her secret stash and becoming obsessed <laughs> with trying to bring her back from the dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, weird how they never brought up any of that stuff in Frozen too. Weird. Yeah, I know, right? It's almost like that book might not be canon. <laughs> Uh, in any case, uh, Alfred Molina is also the voice of Lord Micklin in Maya and the Three. Uh, he is also Abner Tharn in like the entirety of Elder Scrolls Online across like seven years worth of expansions. <laughs> Don't know who that guy is. I just, I, that reminded me of like, oh yeah, I guess ESO is still going? I t- his last credit was in, like, 2021, so maybe his character died, or maybe they stopped actually putting out adventures for ESO during the pandemic, I don't know. I mean, he's a Tharn,
0: right? So he's gotta be related to Thorn, so...
1: You're, again, you're deferring to your knowledge here, because I don't know shit about ESO's lore. <laughs> uh, well,
0: Thorn was the villain of uh, Elder Scrolls 2, so... Okay, never played it. (laughs) There would have to be a Descendant, I guess, because I think ESO happens after that, I don't
1: remember. I thought thought, thought ESO was, like, way in the past or something. I don't remember.
0: I only played the first couple levels, and it was very boring.
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say ESO was not good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The other uh, little bit of trivia I have here is the original title for Book 3, Episode 4, was the Chato, Chato, I think is how you pronounce that? car but it was changed when a staff member pointed out that a chateau is a manor house in a usually in a, in a vineyard and not a cabin <laughs> <laughs> obviously they were going for the pun of like you know chateau cateau because makes sense cat chateau but they were like yeah that doesn't work <laughs> uh since the title is in french this title is also technically the only episode in the entire show to not start with the word the <laughs> Weird. Even though even though it kinda does, because Lay is just the in French, I'm pretty sure, right? But since it's not written as the it's technically the only one that doesn't start with the. <laughs> uh and this is also the first time in, in the entire series that Gomes were referred to by name since they were never done so in books one or two. Simon actually straight up says the word gom in yeah. the episode four. So first and time we, we actually got confirmation about how they're pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, him also mentioning a lava bowl, which is something I just kind of glanced over during the beginning part, implies that he's been to the minecart car from the train documentaries, which I have not watched, so I don't know. It,
0: yeah, we kind I of skipped the train documentaries. They typically happen immediately after season one.
1: But yeah, because it's like it's it's like more like like infomercials or whatever done by one one, right? Yeah, in, in they're like, like here's some stuff very on the train. Short
0: one-minute episodes about different train cars, so...
1: Yeah. Yeah, kind of just on their own, and obviously, again, we just kind of skip those. Maybe we should actually, (laughs) like, look at those at the end of the show or something, just for the sake of it. Might be worth a shot, yeah.
0: I feel like we could probably get through it all in one episode, because they're very short, like I say.
1: Yeah, or even just tack it on at the end of, like, the finale of the entire show. It's like a, like, we went back and watched those really quick. Here's what happened to them. Not much. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's like at least been brought up like twice so far in the trivia in terms of like a reference to the train documentary though. This yeah. a Second, and the cat's collection of items includes uh stuff that references the previous seasons, with those being the tic-tac-toe board and the bee mascot from the ball pit car, some of the uh, market sli- signs that the slugs had in the black market car, and money necky neko statues and decorations from the lucky cat car. It's like <laughs> most of those places the cat has been to. Yeah. I mean, we didn't see her in the the black market car, but she's never really made her way there, considering she's a charlatan and high huckster and tries to sell random shit, so she's definitely been there.
0: Oh, absolutely. I feel like that's her second house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the cat just has a house in every car on the entire train, apparently.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: If it's well, not she's... a house, then it's at least, like, a stand to try to sell whatever shit she has on hand.
0: <laughs> uh, she's Again, got at we, least we... two cars, because she's got this one and her regular
1: house, so... We said cars, not houses. <laughs> yeah. She has one car that we know of, and it's not really a car, necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, we, we don't I mean... know if
0: she ever repaired her car after the conductor destroyed
1: it, so... No, no, they fixed it. That's how they got to the engine. Remember, they, 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 uh, well, at the least they, uh, like, repaired it enough to be able to interface with the train car's yeah. controls to move the ball of the car to the engine, but then the cat got into the, uh, what's it called, the repaired, uh, or at least they partially repaired, I forget what she called her thing, what her little car is called, but she got back into it and took off with the, uh, like, the, like, electromagnet propulsion thing which she the pod? hit them for well Yeah, the pod.
0: No, I'm talking about the cat's car and the cat's chalet car.
1: Oh, okay, okay, I was misinterpreting when you said car, I thought you meant house.
0: (laughs) No, 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 no. I mean, she's got two train cars, at least. But again, we don't know if they ever fixed the first one, so... (laughs) True,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, because, like, uh, Amelia fucked it up. Or rather, I guess, on Amelia's orders, the steward fucked it up. Yep.
0: But yeah, um... Cats.
2: Cats.
1: I just. They're good. Yeah. She's so yeah. cool. <laughs> Still surprised I'd never heard of a voice actress before when we were introduced to her.
0: <laughs> I truly have no idea that, how that's possible. <laughs> Kate Mulgrew is a legend.
1: <laughs> yeah, just somehow never heard of her name. I recognized some of the stuff she was in when I was going through her credits, but I just had never heard of her name somehow. <laughs> Uh.
0: Janeway is the best Star Trek captain of all time, and the way you know that is because she's willing to blow stuff up.
1: (laughs) Well, I I mean, I've never been a Star Trek person. Like, I've never really watched my Star Trek, so that's how I didn't know Janeway.
0: (laughs) I mean, I guess...
1: My defense there is, I never watched the show that she was in.
0: They're <laughs> talking about a woman who invaded a nebula because she thought there might be coffee there. She is a legend.
1: <laughs> I thought that that's like partially against, like, uh, fuck, what's the uh, uh,
0: the prime directive?
1: Yeah, like, well, not the prime directive, but like basically against like the rules of the galaxy, more or less, of like just starting shit because you're thirsty for coffee or something. Like they have they have over, they have overall laws about like not like interfering with like undeveloped worlds and stuff, right?
0: Yeah, that's the prime directive. Okay. Um the thing about Jane Way is that in her season her ship gets flung into a sector of the galaxy where no one else is and it's just them and it will take them 70 years to get back home. So they're kind of just doing whatever they can to survive out there in space on the way home. They, mm-hmm. they, they get to suspend the Prime Directive in favor of, we really need to survive. <laughs> and sometimes that means invading Nebulas to find coffee.
1: <laughs> As one does, apparently, in Star Trek.
0: Well, listen, if you were flung 70 years away from the nearest coffee, how would you feel? <laughs>
1: I mean, I would probably be thinking more along the lines of, like, I'm going to die before I get back, more than, oh, fuck, I'm not going to have coffee for 70 years.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's the space future. Their life expectancy is, like, 200.
1: Still, okay, my first thought would be, I'm going to miss so much shit going on while I'm (laughs) missing for 70 fucking years, (laughs) before I'm going to think, oh, God, do we have coffee on the ship or not? (laughs)
0: the thing is, is that they could, because they've got replicators, so...
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they have that, so, because, like, isn't it a whole thing that, like, in the Star Trek future, like, scarcity has been figured out because of those? <laughs> uh,
0: normally, that is true, but in the case of Voyager, they have to extremely limit what they replicate, because they can't go to a space dock and refuel their replicator ports, you know? It does need raw matter to work.
1: Okay. So what you're telling me is that over the course of that 70 years, they're definitely feeding people's bodies into the replicator to be used as fuel to make coffee.
0: Oh no, that's not how Star Trek Fleet does things. The way Starfleet does things is when you die, they shoot you out a torpedo tube into deep space.
1: <laughs> that's a waste of raw materials for making coffee, though. <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. I <laughs> just never watched Star Trek as a thing.
1: And every time that I keep thinking about, it at times I just like trying to be like, what's the what? What would be the Star Trek worth watching? And it's like I just don't never get an actual concrete answer in terms of that because I always see people be like, this one's good, but also this one's bad, and this one people say is good, but also it's like has that like kind of shitty like adult animation art style that looks like fucking Rick and Morty or whatever the fuck, and it's like eh, I'm not into that.
0: The thing about Star Trek is that they're all terrible and they're all fantastic. So. <laughs>
1: yeah so that's not really making me inclined to actually fix this and watch any star trek then well no that's <laughs> just... not
0: true enterprise is not fantastic it's just terrible
1: but <laughs> yay <laughs> i think i do remember that i think people i think i remember people saying and enterprise fucking sucks
0: <laughs> but yeah no it's great it's just wild Although, it may surprise you to learn that I have only seen, like, five episodes of the show ever.
2: I'm, I'm
1: a... <laughs> <laughs> okay, also to my credit, I have actually seen one episode. I don't remember the full context of it. I just remember they're trying to run away from, like, some other alien species that says, like, they escaped Disintegration Chamber 19 or whatever. And I just remember thinking, why does this spaceship have over 19 disintegration chambers on it.
0: <laughs> I mean, sometimes you've got to disintegrate a lot of stuff.
1: <laughs> I guess, but are they capturing that many people? They don't, like, try to shove them into all these disintegration chambers that much? If if they can shoot people out of the space, why are they not getting rid of this stuff by just shooting in the space? Why do they need this many disintegration chambers?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh... I truly do not know, but... I would suggest that maybe it was a Mirror Universe episode, because they tend to be over-the-top and evil like that. Um,
1: maybe, yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah, no, I do uh, A lot of Star Trek is available in uh, book form, so I've read the novelizations, and actually seen very little of it is the thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, got I should also mention, I don't have any more trivia. <laughs> that was the end of it. Oh, I I know, we're just nonsensing about Star Trek. Yeah, no, I know. I I figured I should just make it be pretty apparent that I don't have more to go over and this is just us bullshitting at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: But yeah, um, if you want to hear us talk more about uh, invading Nebulas for coffee, uh, you can find us (laughs) on Twitter at usweirdoscast. or you can find me personally on Twitter at patch underscore jacket. Although I suspect that may not be true by the time this episode comes out because the big boss is talking about getting rid of blocking people. Uh, in yep. which case, I'm at nobody
1: on co-host. <laughs> yeah, if, if that does come to pass, uh, yeah, we would most likely fully moved to cohost, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think we would have a choice. I don't like cohost as much. It it's just harder to use to me, but
1: Yeah, it's like it's like still kind of in its infancy in terms of like usability really and like features, but it's like at the same time, it's like if you if you have to choose between being on this site where people can't block you anymore and being yeah. on one that is designed to not let fascist on the site just running rampant? I think the answer is pretty obvious.
0: <laughs> like Practically speaking, I've got 13,000 people blocked on Twitter. If blocking goes away, that's just a cesspit that comes back, yeah. you know what
1: I mean? How do, you, how do you check that number? I'm curious now. Oh, I'm
0: sorry, it went up. It's 14,701 now. Um, you have to use the app on your phone. I don't believe you can check it on desktop.
1: Uh oh, well I definitely don't have I definitely do not have the app installed on my phone because the the official Twitter app sucks and I'm still salty about the fact that he killed off all the third party apps. Yeah, fair. <laughs> but yeah,
2: yeah, no, if
0: fourteen thousand seven hundred people I've blocked suddenly flood back onto my timeline, I just absolutely not. You know? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah, I I found the block list that I have, but it doesn't show like a number at the top, and I'm not going to obviously scroll down all this thing to see if there's one at the bottom, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to see all those fascists just shoved in my face again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> anyway, yep. I'm also on a bunch of shows for All on the Table, uh, twitch.tv slash the transverse, and also YouTube, where uh, Vigilantes Union Local 13 has begun airing, and I'm extremely proud of it, it's probably my favorite thing I've done. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh well i mean uh you, i guess you could find me still technically in space because of star rail over again for the moment at uh the underscore of the vivian on twitter for again however long that fucking lasts probably know by the time this episode releases not for very long <laughs> and just the uh, vivian on co-host and again i don't do anything else besides those <laughs>
2: Uh, Alright,
0: well, I think with that out of the way, there's not much left to say, but remember the uh, weirdos we have, have to stick, stick together.
2: together Bye, Bye.